0: Welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridlin, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri and in the state of Texas. Today's topic is going to be on fear. How to live victoriously in the midst of fear. Fear is a powerful human emotion. It's something that every single one of us experience to some level, probably every day. So let's say you're driving and a car pulls out. Suddenly you have a instinctual reaction to have fear, right? God has instilled in us a level of fear as a means of protecting. That's the whole goal, right? Now what ends up happening with fear is that we are also given free will we're given free will to think and to feel and so when we think sometimes fearful thoughts then what ends up happening is our body reacts to the fearful thought as if it was a literal fear that's happening in our midst one thing i always say is like i share this story i was at a christian counseling conference and they kept saying there are over 7,000 Christian counselors in this room. And suddenly I thought to myself, as I was waiting for Mercy Me to come up on the stage, one of my favorite groups. And suddenly it, the thought came across my mind of what would happen if a shooter came into this room. So immediately my mind sent this message and my body reacted. My heart started to beat really fast. I suddenly started to get very anxious. I was looking around. Um, and thankfully I was able to work this through and be able to calm down this fear. Otherwise I would have not been able to enjoy my favorite music group. <clears throat> so the way I was able to calm this down was to ask myself a logical question. Is there a shooter in this room? No. Is there a, ver- is there a real threat? Meaning, is there a real threat? No, there's no shooter in the room. Is there people anxious and scared? Is there anybody announcing from the, from the speakers that there's a gunman that's entered into this huge hotel? No. So I thought to myself, what's the worst case scenario? <clears throat> worst case scenario, somebody comes in and shoots. That would be terrible. And then even worst case scenario, what if somebody came in, they shot? And it took my life, and it left my kids. And I thought to myself, that would be really, really hard. But I would be with Jesus, and my kids would have a hard time. But they would have Jesus, so they would be okay, okay? So I know this is a really um, fearful thought, and but it's a real thought that most of us have on a regular basis because every time we turn on the TV, what do we hear? There was a shooting at a school. There was a shooting at the mall. And it's horrific. But it's the, it's the culture that we live in. It is, a, it is a fear. But so often we get our minds don't know. Like my mind didn't know that day when I thought, what if there's a, a shooter that comes in? My mind, my brain, it's just a brain. It's an organ. And so it reacted to this fearful thought as if it was an actual fearful threat. Okay? So this is something that happens to us all the time. And this is how we can learn to be able to communicate and our to do self-thinking, positive self-thinking, to quiet down negative self-thinking that rules our life or has the potential to rule our life. And so we want to learn how to use positive self-thinking. okay? So fear is a powerful human emotion that everybody feels. In fact, fear, is what causes most dysfunctional behavior, okay? Um, toxic behavior is out of fear, okay? So somebody ridicules another person to make fun of them, and they criticize them and laugh. Even if you were really to un- to take that apart, you would actually see that the person who's ridiculing is has fear of being not good enough. Or fear of being insecure. They may not realize it. It's an unconscious drive that pushes this behavior, right? So we have fear. And fear is a huge driving force in our life. And that's why it's so important for us to learn how to manage fear. So I just did a quick Google search and I asked, How often is fear mentioned in the Bible. And what I found is the words fear not were mentioned 365 times. Fear not was mentioned 365 times. That's pretty, that's a big number. And I thought how um, interesting it was that God knew that we were going to struggle with fear. And so he, he mentioned, he told us not to fear so many times to let us know that we don't have to live in fear. Okay. So then this is going to get into the whole topic of well then is fear a sin? Is worry a sin? Okay? And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's something that needs to be mentioned often. And so I argue that fear itself, worry itself, anxiety in itself is not a sin. How because we all have fear. Every single one of us. But what I argue is unmanaged sin. Fear, anxiety, worry is a sin. When we don't take that fear to Christ, when we allow Satan to rule us for days, months, hours, years, long periods of time in fear, then we end up sinning because we're handling things in our own, right? So, one powerful story that I love that has to do with anxiety is when Jesus goes. He's about to face his resurrection, and he was fearful. He knew this was God's will, but he still was fearful because what he, he was human, and he felt fear, and he felt every emotion that we feel. And so in this moment, he takes his fear, he takes his anxiety, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he prays all night long, right? and. And he, it, the Bible says that he he, he sweat blood, okay? I don't know a lot about the medical world, but I've heard that that's an actual, legitimate medical thing that could happen in the face of a lot of fear and threat, intense pressure like that. So I don't know that. I've just heard that. I'm not a medical doctor. So um, that's just something. But our bodies physically feel our fear, Okay. So here's the part of the story that I love the most is that when Jesus comes down, when he comes out of the garden of Gethsemane, he's ready to face what, what he knows is God's plan for his life and he's willing to face it. So when the when the, when the soldiers came to get him and they said, they were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, he was able to, to say, you don't need my friends. Leave them alone. I am Jesus of Nazareth, right? He just came right out. He didn't use his friends as a guard. He, he was ready. He was prepared. And he faced the cross like no man ever could. He showed that it hurt. He showed that, you know, he, he had the human emotion. He felt the pain. He felt the agony, he felt the ridicule, he felt the rejection, but he faced it with grace and it was powerful and and he was able to do that because he gained his strength from God himself, okay? And that's what I believe that, that God and the Bible tells us to do with our fear, okay? I am pretty open about my struggles and I have fear sometimes, especially when things aren't going a certain way or like when my niece was in a coma for six months and she'd been hit by a car and I didn't know if she was going to live or die and there was so much fear and I felt that. I cried. I was kept up at night but the very thing when I would get overwhelmed with that, the very thing that would calm my spirit was when I would step away into God's presence. I remember one night just going out into the backyard onto my deck and just crying out to God and telling him that I was afraid, that I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what to do. And I just cried and prayed. And you know, God really calmed my spirit that night and I was able to sleep in his arms. And that's what God does because life is an ongoing struggle. There's going to be struggles. The Bible says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Every single day of our lives, we're going to face some level of difficulty. Um, whether it's getting a speeding ticket or whether it's, you know, um, our, our child going to school and, and we are worried about that because we don't get to see them all day but regardless of what it is there's stuff that's happening all of us have this stuff some of us are facing ongoing health struggles some of us are facing relationship difficulties some of us are are hearing really bad news for the first time some of us are really struggling with assignments that are due and work assignments and job assignments and school assignments life is just got it's full And it has so much going on around us, okay? So, is fear a sin? I don't believe that fear in itself is a sin. Fear is a human emotion. Unmanaged fear that we wallow in, that we fail to take to the foot of the cross, that we fail to take to God, that we fail to surrender to God, that we fail to seek Christ and the Holy Spirit for wisdom, that's when we fall into sin. So if we think about how fear impacted some of the biblical creatures, biblical, um, I'm going to say creatures, um, humans, figures from the Bible, a few that popped into my mind are Sarah and Abraham. They wanted desperately to have a child. In fact, God promised them that they were going to have a child. They began to doubt because they were getting older in age, and they were in their 90s when they finally had their their son, but before they, they began to take matters into their own hands, and she said, why don't you sleep with my, my maidservant so that we can have a child, okay? That was out of fear of not having a child, out of fear that God wasn't going to fulfill his promise. That led to sin, sinning to, they sinned against God so that they could have what they wanted instead of waiting on God to provide. Another one is Peter. When they said, when Jesus said to him, you will deny me three times. Peter denied Christ out of sure fear. Fear of being persecuted, fear of being put to death, fear of looking like a fool, Right. And what's so amazing about these stories in the Bible is that God still takes these situations where people sinned against him out of fear and he works them for good. So Romans 8, 28, all things work for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. And so that gives me some comfort because I know that every day I'm going to mess up every day. I'm going to sin. Somehow, some way, I'm going to sin, whether it's, you know, snapping at my kids or thinking a bad thought. Because we all live in a world and we all have sinful hearts. And thankfully, God forgives me. And I don't have to live in this constant fear of I have to work my way to heaven. Because, friends, if that was the case, I would never get there because I'm going to sin and I struggle. Every day. Um, So the question is, how do we deal with fear? Okay. So I'm going to give you some scenarios that I share with my clients in the office, and I'm going to share with them here on the podcast because I want you, I want to be able to share this message with people so that they feel like they have control over fear. Because so often when we're afraid, Satan uses the fear to make us feel trapped to make us feel shamed, to make us feel unempowered, like we are powerless, okay? So the very first step when trying to deal with fear, okay, and fear is doubt, fear is anxiety, fear is um, questioning whether God is is there for us, Um, fear is Worrying if somebody's going to abandon us, right? There's all kinds of ways that we experience fear. Are we going to lose our job? Um, We face these types of fears all the time, okay? The very first thing I want you to hear from me is, and it's very easy, breathe. The very first thing when you feel afraid is to breathe, okay? One thing that trauma does to people is cause them to shallow breathe. I have people who have entrenched trauma, and they come because I'm a trauma specialist. So they come to me to help them with their trauma. And one thing I can see is that their breathing is very shallow. In fact, sometimes I see them holding their breath. They don't know that they're holding their breath. This is something that happens that comes with trauma. And one way I know about this is personally. One thing I remember when I um, before I started doing my own therapy work with my counselor is, um, that I would hold my breath and I didn't realize this, but I would go get a massage. Cause I'd have these like golf ball size knots in my shoulders and the massage therapist would say, you need to breathe. You need to breathe. You need to breathe. And I'm like, what is he talking about? What is she talking about? I'm breathing because <laughs> I didn't realize that I wasn't taking actual deep breaths. My brain was not getting sufficient oxygen because trauma actually causes us to take insufficient breaths okay think about this whenever a car is coming at you you're on a road and somebody pulls out in front of you what's the first thing we do (gasps) right we stop breathing that's the first thing we do before anything else um we may say some bad words but immediately when somebody pulls out in front of us we We take a big gasp of breath and then we hold it. Okay? Pay attention to it. It's what we do. It's actually our instinct. Okay? And the reason is because breathing takes energy. And when we're faced with a near death experience, our body has to give all its energy to survival. So it immediately just reacts for the purpose of protecting itself. Okay? So the first thing to do is breathe. And one of the very first things I work with my clients on, no matter what their struggle is, if it's anxiety, if it's grief, if it's, um, like fear, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the struggle is. My first thing is to begin helping them to learn how to take deep breaths. Okay. Um, so anger, This is one of the big things. I also work with a lot of clients who have anger issues, and they have told me over and over again how just learning to take a deep breath when they have a reaction to something can actually calm them down and help them to stay ahead of the anger so they don't have outbursts, okay? So the first thing I want you to do is breathe, okay? And then I ask my clients, I'm like, look, I want you to take three times a day, and I want you to set an alarm for one minute and just take really slow, deep breaths. What ends up happening is our brain loves the oxygen so much that it begins to heal the brain. And then the brain's like, hey, I like this. So if we set the timer and breathe three times a day, then we're creating new neural pathways in our brain that actually help us to learn how to breathe overall in a much healthier manner, which helps us to handle life in general better. Okay, it's actually true. Another thing I teach my clients is meditation because meditation has a lot of breathing, there's a huge breathing component um, imaginatory. Um, like I have them think of like safe places in nature or safe feelings that they felt when they were in certain situations and to just spend time breathing and thinking about these safe memories. Again, it does the same thing in the brain. The brain loves it. The brain's like, Oh, this is so relaxing. And so the brain reacts. Now there is a if there one thing that I've noticed and with severe trauma, and I've noticed it with people who have had, um, really intense trauma that they, it's occasionally that they will have, um, negative reactions to meditation. Okay. So, um, I wanted to give you that warning. It's very, very, very rare. Most of the time people love meditation. I've had people where I've taught this and they come in after a rough week and they're like, Let's just do some meditation. Um, it is really funny. I love that that my clients are starting to learn what they need when they come into the office, and um, I find that to be very um, encouraging to me as a counselor that they're starting to pick up these tools and and they they really enjoy it. But I do want to give you a warning that there's a very 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 rare um, that sometimes when people have been in really intense trauma that they may not have a good feeling about meditation. They may have body reactions to that. And that's too much to get into why that happens. But if that is happening, the most important thing you can do is contact a really good Christian counselor who's trained in trauma. And that will actually help you a lot, okay? So the first thing is breathe, okay? So the second thing is, I want you to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? You're like, that's pretty lame. Like, like, that's just so simple. But it works, okay? So you ask yourself when you're upset, when you're starting to feel these full-body reactions, when somebody um, has really hurt your feelings, whenever you're uncomfortable going to a family event, when you're going to an event at your child's school, or you're going to give a speech, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Okay. And what I want you to do is either say it out loud, okay, write it down, tell a trusted counselor, friend, pastor, some like parent, um, just somebody that you trust to be vulnerable with, somebody that you know is going to be able to help you. But the most important thing is ask yourself, what am I afraid of? One thing that they found is the moment that people can voice out loud what they're afraid of what their emotions are what am I feeling right now Um, I'm feeling like when it was I did this with myself after my niece was hit Uh, I was feeling overwhelmed and I asked myself what am I feeling right now I'm afraid I'm angry I'm scared I'm sad okay so I I was able to pull out these what am I feeling what am I afraid of I'm afraid she's gonna die I'm afraid of what's gonna happen to her children. I'm afraid of what life's gonna be like without her in it, okay? So ask yourself, what are you afraid of, okay? These two steps, breathing, asking yourself, what am I afraid of? What feelings am I feeling? What ends up happening is it actually decreases your, um, your feelings, your overwhelmingness, your anxiety, by about anywhere between 30 to 50% just by saying those things out loud. It's actually powerful. Sometimes it's going to bring up emotion, and that's good. That means the body is processing this. Oftentimes, I will have somebody who comes in and they're feeling anxious, and I'll just say to them, what are you afraid of? And I'll kind of give them a little bit. And then they'll say, I'm afraid, I'm angry, I'm sad, and immediately their symptoms decrease. It's pretty cool, okay? Another question I want you to ask yourself is, where do I feel the emotion in my body, okay? So if we're feeling emotion, we're also going to be feeling physical symptoms because the physical symptoms and the emotions go hand in hand. Okay, so common places that we may feel it for me, oftentimes when I'm really overwhelmed, and I've actually told my counselor this in sessions before, I feel like there's a red fireball in my chest. And like it just wants so big, and it just like, you know, I try to explain to her what that feels like. Okay, so for some people, they say they feel like an elephant sitting on their chest. For some people, they say they feel a lot of pressure in their head, like their head's going to explode. For some people, they feel the pressure in their gut, in their stomach, so they may have like an upset stomach, they may have diarrhea, they may have dry heaving, that's an anxiety symptom, Um, and so they may feel these symptoms, and sometimes people even feel um, pressure in their mouth, like they may feel tingly in their lips, they may feel it in their thighs or their hips, but the important thing is I want you to connect with where are you feeling emotion. Where in your body are you feeling it? Because there's something powerful about connecting the emotion with where you're feeling it in the body. It's just becoming aware of your body, becoming aware of how you're feeling, okay? So once you begin to recognize these things, your body, your mind, actually begins to respond positively, okay? And one way to continue the process of healing and working through whatever it is that's upsetting you is to use grounding techniques, okay? So grounding techniques are meditation, deep breathing, okay? But there's also a lot of other grounding techniques that you can use that will help you, okay? So what grounding techniques do, okay, and I'm going to try to give you this in a, in a way that's easy to understand, but the amygdala is the fight or flight or freeze response in the brain. It's a, about a walnut size part of the brain that's inside the brain center somewhere in there. And that is the first thing that if there's, if a car comes out in front of you and you're driving, immediately your amygdala hijacks the prefrontal cortex and the prefrontal cortex is the logical part of the brain. The logical part of the brain is right behind your forehead, okay? And it's the very last thing that develops, okay? So what happens is a car pulls out in front of you. You don't have time to sit and think about, oh, what should I do when a car pulls out in front of me? There's no time. And so God has instilled within us this reaction, this instinct reaction to respond to danger. So we put on the brake without even thinking about it, right? So at that point, the amygdala hijacks the prefrontal cortex. So the flight or fight spot of the brain hijacks the ability to think and you just move right into instinctual response for the sake of survival, okay? So now the problem is a lot of times anxiety is actually what happens and they start to, the brain still responds to anxiety, to worry in a similar way, even though there's not an actual threat, okay? An example, like I said earlier, is I was in a, in a big room with lots, like 7,000 Christian counselors. And I thought to myself, what if a gunman walks in? Now, there was no gunman. There was no sign of a gunman. Nobody was scared that I know of. I'm sure there might have been a few other people having similar thoughts. But when I looked around the room, it was safe. It was calm. People were excited for the most part. And so, um, but my body reacted as if there was a fear, okay? And that's what happens with anxiety is that it's not an actual fear, okay? It's, it's not legitimate, like, threat that's happening in the moment. It's a fear of a, th- a threat or something bad that could happen. And then, what we do is we ruminate on that. We just keep thinking about that. And the longer we think about that, the more our 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 bodies send out these sad messengers, these unhappy messengers, things like cortisol and adrenaline, into our body. And it just kind of gets our body out of whack, okay? So, um, so grounding techniques actually help people to calm down. So I'll have somebody who comes in and they're really anxious. Or they're processing something traumatic, and I'll actually pause them and say, let's just take some deep breaths. And they look at me like, what? Well, when they first start, they look at me like, what? Um, When they start to figure out that it works, they're like, okay, yeah, good idea, (laughs) okay? So um, the next thing is um, we want to shut down that amygdala. We want to learn how to reengage the prefrontal cortex, okay? Um, And this is what I call and what's referred to as changing your emotional mind where you're fully in your emotion, unable to think and switching over to your rational mind. Okay. so this is just a little bit of information about fear. And there's so much more to teach you guys. But I do want to share with you some scriptures real quick before we end. So Psalm 18 says, when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemy. I'm going to reread that because that is a powerful verse. And I really want you to just allow this verse to soak in. Okay. Psalm 118 verses 5 through 7. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. That's a powerful scripture. And a few more verses that's from the Bible. Um, It's Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews thirteen five and six. For he has said to me, I will never leave nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Second Timothy one seven. Um, actually this is a powerful verse for me. I, um, I used to, my husband used to travel sometimes and sometimes for several weeks and I would always get really scared. Uh, thankfully I don't get scared when he leaves now. I've been able to work through that, but I had this verse in a decal form right next to my bed so that if he was away, I could keep saying this to myself over and over and over again. And it was just a comfort to me. That's 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Psalm three four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay. There's so many verses. John 14.27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I get to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 55.22, cast your burdens upon the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. So these are some verses that hold me together when I'm experiencing fear, when my anxiety is is starting to overwhelm me, when my equilibrium starts to get off my rational versus my emotional mind. And one thing that happens is if we can, this is a June Hunt taught me this amazing technique. Um, She actually taught lots of people this. She's a biblical counselor in um, Texas. And she has hope for the heart. And she's a great mentor of mine. She's been on my podcast before. But she actually taught me this verse when I was um getting ready to take my license exam. And I was terrified. And I was talking to her briefly in the hallway at the conference. And I said to her, Um, yeah, I'm getting ready to take my exam. I have all this fear and anxiety about it, and sometimes I get to where like You know, my heart sets to pound thinking about it. And I'll never forget, she just said to me, Crystal, here's what I want you to do. When you feel afraid, I want you to, to say to yourself, and this is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I want you to take a big deep breath and exhale. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Take a deep breath and exhale. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Take a deep breath. So she taught me this and go through the whole scripture. And he says, he guides me along the the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so she taught me this, This she calls it the Psalm 23 technique. I'm pretty sure that's what she calls it. And so um, I started doing this. As soon as I got home and I started studying for my test, Every time I would feel anxious, I would go through this whole psalm and I would take a deep breath after every um, part, every sentence. And what happened was I suddenly didn't have fear and I could learn the material better. I used this during my exam and I pretty much had no fear during my exam. I just felt more confident. Um, I was able to like keep my rational and emotional self in check. I was able to keep my prefrontal cortex, my logical brain um, in control. So my amygdala, my flight or flight response, didn't kick in and try to overtake it. So then the next time I saw her at a conference, she was sharing this technique in a conference that I was listening to that she was leading. And so I went up to her after the um, in, at the break and I expl- I told her the story about how she shared the technique with me And it helped me to pass my exam and helped me to stay completely calm and peaceful. Um, And then she asked me to share that story with everyone in the conference. And (laughs) I would love to say I was calm. But actually, uh, I was pretty anxious (laughs) because I I wasn't expecting to have to talk to a lot of people. But anyway, so this technique works. okay? And um, I want to give credit to June Hunt because she's the one who taught it to me. And um, she's a very wise, wise woman. So, um, this is just a little brief topic on how to handle fear and anxiety. Um, the most important thing, too, friends, is that if you're struggling and you're having anxiety and you're having physical symptoms to the anxiety and it's impacting your quality of life, don't try to handle it on your own, okay? There are very real techniques like I'm teaching you now. And this is helpful. I hope that this is helpful. Um, But a good, quality-trained Christian counselor is going to be able to help you even more than what I'm doing right now in this podcast, okay? So I wish you the best. Again, I love hearing from you guys. Um, If you guys could subscribe or comment or like and, you know, let me know how, how you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I would just appreciate that to get some reviews going and also just to get some, you know, even some five stars or, you know, just some so I can I'm see that people are listening. I've had uh, some contacts saying people are listening, and that's very encouraging. Um, so I would appreciate if you guys could do that. If you guys have anything you would like me to talk about on the, the podcast, please send me an email at victoriouslivingcounseling at yahoo.com. And I will work really hard to bring that into my topic. Um, I haven't been able to to do as many <laughs> podcasts as I would like because we recently just moved, um, and so there's been a lot of changes in my life in that sense. And the kids are all home for the summer, and so any of you who have children know that that tends to take up a lot more time <laughs> than what we typically have. So, friends, God bless you, and I I pray. you will live confidently in Christ this week and be able to learn to hush down the fear that Satan wants to push on us so that we don't, that we're not able to live fully for Jesus Christ. Have a great week.